0: Bitch, Is that better? Is bitch better? Is bitch better? Is bitch better? Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Bitch is Better. I'm your host, Raven, and y'all know what time it is. It's time to talk about some dysfunctional relationships. But listen, y'all, I am tired. Both of the episodes of um, Love After Lockup and 90 Day Fiance were two hours long, which is just absurd. Like, I was not prepared for that at all usually 90 day is two hours long anyway. And I don't know the reason for that. I think it's ridiculous. But I had no idea that Love After Lockup was going to be two hours long as well. And listen, I don't know about y'all, but I hate these two hour episodes. Like why are they so fucking long? What is the reason I don't want to watch these people for that fucking long? One hour? (laughs) One hour is the cutoff. Okay. Two hours is excessive. Can't do it. But I did it for (laughs) y'all. Okay, let's get into it. So I'm gonna start with love after lockup. Obviously, that's my favorite. So let's talk about Destiny and Sean first. So oh, before I get into that, I heard some tea about Destiny. So apparently, Destiny has like four or five kids that she doesn't have anything to do with. And that would explain why she's so like, Oh, fuck your kids, Sean. Like, they can call you themselves if they want something. Like, choose me over your own kids and, like, all of that shit. Because if she doesn't give a shit about her own kids, why would she give a fuck about Sean's? So, listen, I don't know how true or not that is, but I've seen it in a lot of different places. So, I don't know. So, um, Destiny's gone. (laughs) She's missing again. So, she, like, packed up all of her shit and left. And so now Sean is about to be out of the $50,000 if she doesn't show up for court um and I think that before I was confused about that because she'd gone to court and then they told her that she had to come back again because they were refiling some charges and I was like oh my god like so is Sean still on the hook or what and yes he is so I'm like oh my god like same stress all over again but don't feel bad for him because he's stupid so I mean she packed all her shit up this time so like it doesn't seem like she'll be back but whatever so sean's like looking through he's like oh yeah see she took all this stuff like she left a few of these things in here and whatever and then he's like oh what's this a pregnancy test well yes it's a pregnancy test sean like use your fucking brain i know you can read at the very least so finds the pregnancy test box and then he's looking through the trash and he can't find the actual pregnancy test so he's like oh, it's not in here. Like, she's probably pregnant. I don't know. So then we switch over to Destiny. And she looks like she's lost a lot of weight to me, right? Like, especially in her face. I was like, Oh, my God, like, what has she been doing? She looks good. So anyway, she says that her pregnancy test was negative, And but she's still just feeling like so smothered by Sean and so like, You know, she just can't take it. She feels like she's in prison again, and I'm just like, I don't get that. Like, I understand how he was acting before, like when it was time for her to show up for court, right? And she was not answering the phone calls, and she was like out with her sister, and he was like freaking out, understandably. Um, but other than that, I feel like he doesn't really bother her that much. He, like, lets her live. So I'm not sure what the issue is. So she's freaking out and she's like, you know what? I have his credit card. I have his car and I'm just going to go live it up. Like, I don't give a fuck about how he feels. And I might just run. I don't know. So as she's on the run, in quotes, (laughs) she starts feeling like sick and, you know, having some pains and stuff. And even though she had a negative pregnancy test, she feels like she's pregnant and in the past she had an atopic pregnancy and now she's having these pains that she feels like are similar to the pains of when she was pregnant before with that so she's freaking out and she's talking to her mom and her mom's like well go to the fucking hospital and she's like I don't want to go to the hospital and it's like okay so you want to die instead like take your ass to the fucking hospital I'm not playing with you So it looks like she went to the hospital, so that's good. Hopefully everything is okay with her um, and nothing serious is wrong. So that's where we left off with her. So we'll see what happens there. Now, oh, God, you guys. (laughs) So we've got Michael and Sarah back. And for everyone who just started watching Love After Lockup and you don't know who these fools are, um, just really quickly I'll explain. When they first started on their first season of Love After Lockup, it was Michael and a girl named Megan. And she met him, you know, online, the whole thing, whatever. And she was a virgin and she's like, oh, I can't wait to have sex with him. And he gets out. I've been saving myself, blah, blah, blah. And then... You know, Michael's like, oh, yeah, you know, I love Megan, but I got a secret or whatever. What's the secret? A whole wife who is Sarah. So then she shows up. So then they have this whole love triangle situation that is like very ridiculous and dramatic. And um, now Megan finally got some sense and dropped Michael's ass. So now we've got Michael and Sarah. And they are still officially married. They have two kids together. And it's a mess. And I hate both of them. And like, I don't even know, y'all, if I if I can, (laughs) if I can talk about them (laughs) throughout this whole season, I can't commit to it because I'm so sick of them and their story. And like, Michael just infuriates me. Like, he's one of those guys that he's like an absent father, okay? And there's no reason for it. He's been out of prison for quite some time now. So he thinks that it's fine for him to disappear. And then, whenever he feels like it, which is usually around like every six months or so, he thinks he can just pop up and see the kids and like that's fine. And no, it's not. You can't do that in and out shit. Like they don't even know who the fuck you are. But then he's sitting there whining, talking about, oh, I'm just trying to be a good dad, and see my kids. Sarah won't let me. No sarah's trying to keep her daughters from having daddy issues because you pop in and out of their lives like it's nothing with no regard to how that makes them feel or how it might affect them or anything like that like be in or out we we're not doing this some tiny shit they don't fucking know you you cannot just show up like that you fucking piece of shit what the fuck is wrong with you Ugh. but sarah is also trash she is clearly playing games and trying to make Michael jealous because at the end of the day like I don't give a fuck what she says she still wants him and she wants him to want her and she she plays all these fucking games and it's ridiculous but I do think for the most part that she is a good mother I think she just lets Michael cloud some of the shit when it comes to making decisions but whatever so they have this whole thing where she's got a new boyfriend, Malcolm, who seems like a really nice, normal guy, and she does not deserve him at all. Um, and the it was the baby's birthday, so they're having the party, and Michael comes, but then he knows that Malcolm is there, so then he leaves because he's a piece of shit. I'm so sorry. Your child is having their first birthday, and because she has her boyfriend there, you're going to leave? No. That would be fuck him. I'll say hi and ignore him like this is my kid. I don't fucking care about you. I'm here to celebrate my child. He's trash. So anyway, um, it's like the next day after the party. And Sarah has told Michael specifically not to come over because Malcolm's going to be there and she doesn't want to see him. And like, whatever, whatever her fucking reasons are, she says, don't come. So what does he do? He shows up. And for some reason, he is wearing a bear suit, but it's like a bootleg bear suit. Like, you know, whenever you're in like Times Square and they have like (laughs) those weird characters on the street, like Elmo and like Mickey Mouse and like whoever. But it's like obviously they're fucked up, like something is wrong with them. (laughs) That's what this shit looks like. It looks disgusting and I feel like it smells bad, but it's very on brand for him. So he shows up in the bootleg bear suit and he walks right on it. Like he doesn't knock on the door or anything. And Sarah has the door unlocked for some reason. Not safe. Lock your fucking door. And so he just walks in and she's like, oh, hi. You know, and the kids are excited because he's a fucking bear, you know, and they're kids. <laughs> so he's like playing with them and whatever. And then Malcolm shows up because he just went to get coffee or something. And, you know, they make it seem like it's going to be like this whole big fight or whatever, but it's not like Michael actually acts like an adult and he, you know, talks to him like a normal person and it's fine. But after all that, Michael's arrogant ass is like, well, you know, Sarah would leave anyone for me if, if Sarah would leave anyone if I forced the issue, you know, and acted like I didn't want them around or something, which is true Um, because for some odd reason, her dumb ass still wants his sorry ass. And like, I don't, (laughs) it doesn't make sense to me, but that's their world. And that's what they're living in. So like, whatever. Um, and it's really a shame because like I said, Malcolm is a good guy and she doesn't deserve, like she's, she's never deserved him in the first place, but she's going to lose him fucking around with Michael because Michael's playing games. He don't want her. He's just fucking around like he usually does. Ugh. So Sarah is, you know, talking to Malcolm because he's having some concerns. Because um, he's like, you know, are you sure that you want to do this with me? Like, are you over him? And she's like, yeah, I'm over Michael. Like, I'm. this isn't a game. But like, it absolutely is. And Malcolm wants her to stop showing like Michael so much emotion, but we all know that's never going to fucking happen. And all I got to say about that is get the fuck out of there, Malcolm. You're entirely too good for this shit. Like, you, you deserve so much better. Get out while you can, okay? So then we have Lindsay and Scott, and (laughs) so Lindsay and Scott are not, they haven't been sleeping in the same bed because apparently Scott snores, and And that's the reason, right? That's the reason they're not sleeping in the same bed together. Not because Lindsay is repulsed by him and doesn't want to have sex with him like ever again. No, no, it's definitely just the snoring. So Lindsay, Lindsay is like getting ready and she's talking about she's going to a photo shoot and I have that in quotes and I've got some questions. Number one, what about the house arrest? What what happened to the ankle monitor? Now you can just fucking leave. I'm confused because before you were talking about how you were trapped here, literally trapped because of the ankle monitor. So now you can just go and do like some weird photo shoot. Okay. Number two, she says that she's modeled before and then they show like a bunch of like bullshit MySpace looking pictures of her as like proof that she has modeled before. And I'm just like, LOL. Okay. So... Scott is obviously not feeling this. And he's like, um, is this like a viable way of making money? And I'm just like, no, honey, like, that's why she has you. She doesn't care about making the money. It doesn't have to be enough money. Like that is your sole purpose for being around her and in her life. I need you to understand that. So he's like, oh, I'm just concerned about like, you know, creepy men taking pictures of you and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, creepy men. Like yourself? Are you joking or? Yeah, you're joking. It's funny. So when they get to the photo shoot, Scott's like, hey, man, I'm going to talk to you for a second to the photographer. And he's like, so what kind of photos have you taken before? And what have you done? This and that and whatever and just being like super annoying, like a dad almost, <laughs> which is appropriate because he's fucking old. But whatever. So he does all that, and then he just has to, like, wait outside while Lindsay is taking these stupid pictures inside. And I'm like, I don't... <laughs> Good luck to you on your modeling journey, Lindsay. So back at the house, Miley Grace's room is finally ready, and it's super cute. I just want to know the timeline on how long it actually took him to get that done. Like, I, I have some questions. So... um, then Miley Grace leaves to go on a camping trip or something with her friends so now like Lindsay and Scott are alone and Lindsay asks Scott if Terabell can put her camper in their driveway and just like be there for a while and Scott says yes but of course Lindsay leaves out the part about Terabell being her fucking girlfriend <laughs> so i this is going to be a mess So they continue talking and then Lindsay confronts Scott about snooping through her stuff all the time because apparently him going through her prison journal was just the beginning. He's always snooping through her stuff, which is not cool. And he even took it as far as messaging one of Lindsay's exes and asking him for information about her and like whether or not he should get involved with her and like that is insane. That's too much. If you have to ask someone those type of questions, the answer is no. Absolutely no. Pass on that person. Don't fucking do that. So that's it for them. We'll see how this uh, Terabell in her camper in the driveway thing plays out. I don't think it's going to go well, but we'll see. So now we've got Andrea and Lamar. <laughs> I feel like they're going to be on this show forever, y'all. Truly. So Andrea and Lamar are another couple that they have just added in here that's been on the show for a very long time. Andrea was dating Lamar, you know, met him online or whatever. He was in prison. She is a Mormon, a black Mormon. She was living in Utah. So then when Lamar got out, they moved to L.A. She hated it. They moved to Utah Lamar hated it. They moved back to LA. (laughs) She's hating it. It's a mess. They have, she has three kids. And like halfway through one of the seasons, we find out that the youngest daughter is actually Lamar's. And she was conceived in a prison closet. (laughs) They fucked in a prison closet (laughs) and she got pregnant with Priscilla. So that's where we're at with that. Okay. So Andrea is yelling at Lamar because he's not helping with Priscilla's school. and lamar (laughs) lamar does not give a fuck and then he literally yelled at her he was like you need some sifter wives or something for that shit and i literally screamed (laughs) and she just didn't even react and i was like you know what that's probably the way to go so then uh she goes to work because apparently she's a real estate agent now that's new so lamar is hanging out with priscilla and he's like hey um I want to tell you something, but it's a secret and you can't tell your mom. And she's like, okay, I won't. And I'm just like, Lamar, (laughs) she is an eight-year-old child. She's not going to keep this secret, especially from her mother. So then he goes on to tell the secret, which is not a secret to us, but she doesn't know yet um, that he has a daughter. So he got this girl pregnant when he was 16 and then he was in prison forever and he doesn't really have a relationship with her and he wants them to go meet up with the child. Well, she's not a child. And not tell Andrea, which is just ridiculous. She's going to lose her fucking mind because she was pissed when Lamar had gotten out of prison. And just went to meet up with her and her mom. Like, he was, she was super jealous. It made no sense. But she's a lunatic. So, now he wants them to go meet her and not tell Andrea? She's going to murder him. So he calls the other daughter. I don't know what her name is. And he's like, yeah, are we still on for today? I'm going to bring Priscilla so you can meet your sister. And she's like, "Mm, I don't really know about that. I'm not sure. Like, I don't really, (laughs) I'm not really into meeting her. I thought it was just going to be the two of us. And he's like, oh, come on. I just really want you to meet your sister. So are you going to come? And she's like, "Ah, I might be there. I might not. Like, no, if you're not going to go, just fucking say that. It's fine. Don't do this like maybe, maybe not, because he's like about to get on the road. He's making sandwiches and snacks and shit for this drive. So that's rude. So that's not going to end well. We'll see. Now, Quailan and Chevelle. (sighs) Y'all know I can't stand this bitch. So she is throwing his shit outside and it looks fake as hell. I don't like I'm sure she is really upset But the way she's doing it just looks like she's trying to have like a waiting to exhale moment, but it's not working. So she runs outside and then she kicks her shoes off into the street and then she sits on the curb and she starts crying. (laughs) What the fuck is happening here? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So she starts talking about Quayla and she says that he's been distant. And then she went through his phone, which is like... Y'all know how I feel about that. Like, don't go through people's phones. That's just (laughs) its never going to turn out well. So she finds some text from a girl that says, I can't wait to get more of that fine ass dick. And it has an eggplant emoji. And Chevelle's like, yeah, so I put two and two together. And I figured out that they're fucking. Babe, there's nothing to put together there. Obviously, they fucked. Like, yes, that's what happened. So then she's in her confessional and she says that she almost called the girl and, but she didn't. And then the producers are like, so do you want to talk to her? And she's like, yeah. So then she proceeds to just show her entire ass. She calls the girl and she's asking all these questions. The first question is, who is this? Um, no, bitch, you called me. Who the fuck is this? So, at first, the girl's like, I don't know, I don't know who Quaylen is. <laughs> and then Chevelle continues with her questions, and then she, like, starts to answer, kind of. She's like, oh, did you talk to him while he was in prison? Were you sending him money while he was in prison? Blah, blah, blah. And the girl's like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. So, that pisses Chevelle off, and she's like, oh, so now you know him. You sound dumb. Then she starts calling her all kinds of bitches and stuff, and- all I can think of is, like, why are you cussing her out? The person you need to be cussing out is Quaylan and his cheating ass. Like, they can't stand it when girls do this shit. Direct your anger towards the right person. And that person is your cheating ass boyfriend. Like, what the fuck are you mad at her for? <laughs> He's probably lying to her, too. So... Then Quaylen calls her and he's like, hey, what's up? (laughs) Like, everything's normal and nothing is wrong. And she starts going off like he can't even talk. But he does say that he can explain, which is a lie. Like you, (laughs) whatever you're about to say is bullshit. You can't explain your way out of this. So then she's like, oh, he conned me. He used me. He scanned me. No shit, Chevelle. Like, you you searched for love in a fucking prison, and now you're mad that this person isn't trustworthy? And listen, I'm not saying all prisoners are untrustworthy, because I don't think that's true at all, but I think you're definitely taking, like, a big risk there. So, like, come on. So she's yelling at him, and he's completely unfazed. Like, he's not even looking at her. Uh, He's scrolling through his phone, probably texting some more bitches. Like, it's very rude. And I don't even like Chevelle, but that bugged me. Like, don't be so fucking rude. Side note, in, uh, Qualon, in his confessional, he looks like one of the Migos. <laughs> don't y'all think? <laughs> like, it was like the shirt, like his grill, his hair, his glasses, everything. is giving me a big Migos energy. So anyway, they fight some more, and then he leaves with, a dog or two, it's unclear. And I'm like, who? when When did we get these dogs? This also seems like a new place that we're living in because before Cheval was in a house. Now it's like in an apartment. Also, who picked him up? I have a lot of questions. So she's crying and talking about how she has to set a good example for her daughter and all of this. And I'm just like, mm. <laughs> a little too late for that, babe. I think that ship has sailed. And then she starts talking about how Myela calls him daddy and she didn't even tell her to do that. And it's like, okay, number one, that's a lie. Number two, let's say it's true. It's your responsibility to correct her and say, honey, no, that's not your daddy. Don't call him that. But she didn't because that's what she wants. So like, shut the fuck up, girl. All right. So then we've got another couple that I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to talk about them because I'm sick of them too. I feel like their story is old and played out. That's Lacey and Shane. So a little background on them. Lacey was originally with this guy named John who was locked up and she's known him since they were in high school, whatever. And they were engaged. So then, you know, he was supposed to get out of prison. Then he didn't get out of prison at whatever time he was supposed to. He had to stay in prison longer. So, you know, she just can't wait. So she gets on this Meet a Prisoner website and meets Shane and she's like, Oh, I like him. I'm just gonna get with him now. <laughs> because he is getting out before uh John. So he is like super young, and then they, you know, they just all have this crazy love triangle because once John gets out, it's like back and forth. She's like ping-ponging between the two guys, and it's a fucking mess. So now she is actually married to Shane, and <laughs> this is ridiculous. So Lacey had her tubes tied, um, but she decided that she wanted to have a baby with Shane. So they were going to have to do IVF. So they did that. And it's just wild to me because IVF is expensive um, already. Let's not even talk about how much a baby costs. That procedure is very expensive. So th- the fact that they're talking about like how money is tight is very like concerning and confusing to me. Like, (laughs) it's not like they just got pregnant. It was like, oh, we didn't plan for this, but like, we're going to make it work. It's just like, why didn't you wait until money is not so tight to have this baby? Because this whole thing is like super planned out. And Lacey is pregnant with uh, triplets. So they're all stressed about money and everything like that. And it's just like, oh my gosh. So then they go to the doctor for the ultrasound. And it's really sad because now two out of the three babies didn't make it. So she's still pregnant. She's got the one baby, but they lost two, which is really sad. Um, so I feel bad for them. Um, last couple is Brittany and Marcelino. And that's another couple from the past that honestly, I'm not even sure why they're still on here. I feel like, <laughs> and that's no shade to them. I actually like them. I think they're very nice people. Brittany was the prisoner, and she's had this, like, super horrible childhood. Um, you know, her parents were really fucked up, stealing from her, like, leaving her stranded. You know, she got mixed up with this, like, older man when she was a child, and she, like, got pregnant very young, and then it's this whole thing. So she seems to be doing really well. I'd say this is probably the most successful couple we've seen on this show, like, to date. Um, So it's her birthday, her 30th birthday, and she's like drunk and she's having a good time as she should. And then her sister shows up and she's like talking about their mom who is a drug addict. And they're talking about like how shitty she was. And (laughs) Brittany's getting all upset and crying. And I'm just like, I don't understand. Why are we having this conversation right now at her birthday party? This is supposed to be fun. What the fuck is going on? So after that, they like kind of lighten the mood a little bit and it's time for cake. And Marcelino feels like it's a good idea to smash cake in Britney's face and all in her hair. And listen, Britney's pissed and I cannot say that I blame her. Don't put cake in my hair. And she said she just spent like a hundred and something dollars to get it washed and whatever that day. He would be a dead man, (laughs) truly. So she's mad and now he's mad that she is mad. And it's like, bro, you, you just fucked up her hair. Like, you have to understand. Come on. So that's really it with them. Not a whole lot there. All right, time for 90 Day Fiance. So let's start with Jenny and Sumit. Now, <laughs> as you can remember, um, Jenny and Sumit have just met with this lawyer. And the lawyers told them they can actually get married if they want to. They're not going to go under the special marriage act. They're going to go under something else. I'm so sorry. I can't remember what it's called, but they can do that without any objection from anyone, like especially his parents, because that's who would be doing it. So Sumit calls his brother and sister-in-law over, and he just, he really just wanted to ask the brother to talk to his parents and help him kind of convince them that he's happy and marrying Jenny would be like the best thing for him. That's all. <laughs> so Jenny opens her big mouth and she's like, oh yeah, we're going to do the ring ceremony tomorrow and then we're going to get married. You guys can come if you want to. And they were like, what? What the fuck are you talking about? Did you tell mom and dad about this? And so it's like, no, I'm going to just tell them after we do the ring ceremony, but like before we get married. And they were like, no, you need to tell them. <laughs> You used to tell them before the ring ceremony. So, um, the sister-in-law is talking and she's like, you, you have to tell them before we get back home because if you don't tell them, then we're going to have to, and we don't want them to have to hear it from us. So yeah. So Samit reluctantly agrees to tell his parents and now he's annoyed with Jenny because she opened up her big stupid mouth about the ring ceremony to his brother. So now they have to push back the ring ceremony so he can have this conversation with his parents face to face. And Jenny's all upset about it, but it's like, babe, this is your fault. You should have kept your mouth shut. Like she's like, I didn't know. I thought I was supposed to tell them. Like, shut up, Jenny. So his parents come over and (laughs) upon arrival, they're like, we don't fuck with Jenny we don't want him staying with her and we're going to take him home with us. Like that's literally the only reason we showed up here today. They're like, this shit has gone on long enough now. So come with us. And Simit was like, absolutely not. Like, I'm not going with you. Let's cut to the chase. I met with a lawyer. He told me I can go get married and you can't stop me. But I still wanted to let you know I'm doing this because I'm happy with her and I want you to be happy for me. And they were like, no, (laughs) we don't give a shit about any of that. No law is above the parents' law, and you're not marrying this old lady over our dead bodies. When you marry her, we will be dead. And my dad said something really great that I wish everyone that's on these, any of these 90-day shows would uh, take into consideration and just, like, live by. He said, the country you live in is the culture you live by. And I was just like, wow, yes, this 100%. These people love to move to these other countries or get with people from other countries. And they have zero respect for their culture. They're like, I'm American. We don't do it like that. We do it like this. And it's like, well, bitch, you're not in fucking America or you're not dating an American. So it'd be great if you could just like respect my culture. It's not a big ask. Both of the parents are like, you're not marrying this oldie. They literally called Jenny an oldie. (laughs) And I laughed. Um, they were like, really? You couldn't find, you couldn't find someone else? Literally anyone else? You had to give this old bitch? Really? We're not doing this. And they explain that, like, they are so ashamed because people look down on them because of his relationship with Jenny. They see him with this old woman. And then they ask his parents, like, bitch, what, how the fuck did you raise him? Why is he doing this? This is wild. And it's really sad. So, at the end of all that, like, as they're arguing and crying and stuff, Jenny walks away and she's like, I can't do this. I'm tearing this family apart. I need to go back to America. And I'm like, yes, go now and don't fucking come back. You're tearing their shit apart and it's ridiculous. Get the fuck out of here, Jenny. So then we have Brittany and Yazan and they, um, as you can remember, Yazan wanted to get a translator so that he can explain to Brittany, exactly what's going to happen if they get married and why he wants to get married so quickly. And he just, his English isn't good enough uh, to tell her, but it's really important that she understands. So he's got this translator. So he tells Brittany that he's going to tell his family that um, he's going to marry her and she's going to remain a Christian, but they might disown him if he does that. And she says that she wants him to have a good relationship with his family. And he's like, listen, I'm willing to give up everything for you, but I need to know how you're feeling about this whole situation before I do that, which is reasonable. And she's like, well, I just need some more time to think about this, which I feel like is fair in most cases. But in this case, Brittany knows good and damn well that she's not going to stay there and she's not going to marry him. So, like, quit dragging him along. So Yazan says he's not going to tell her all of the family stuff just yet because he doesn't want to scare her off. But he is feeling like he's sacrificed just about everything for no reason. And I feel like he should have just told her everything at this meeting because she's just going to hit him with the, like, I need more time to talk about this shit, like, every time he says something to her. So, like, just put it all out there, let her make a decision, and everyone just go their separate ways, because that's what's going to (laughs) happen. So, and Brittany feels like she wants to talk to someone in Yazan's family to see what's going on with, like, the family side of it. So, she's going to meet with his brother, Obida. So, she meets with Obida and the translator. So, Obida's like, I'm scared for Yasin. Literally everyone in the family hates him and they are worried that he is going to marry this foreigner and drop all of his family and abandon his culture and like turn into a horrible American. And they hate him so much that they want to kill him because he's affecting the entire family with his actions. So Brittany's all upset and she starts crying and he's like, why are you crying? Like, don't cry. <laughs> like, Obida, she's crying because you just told her that her man's family is trying to kill her because he's with her. So yes, she's very upset. Like, understandably so. So he's like, listen, no matter what, Yazin will not lose me as his brother. Like, I love him and I'm not going to leave him. And Brittany asks if there's anything she can do to help the situation. Like, if she converts to Islam, is that going to help? And Abida's like, no, because if you do it, it's just going to be bullshit, basically, because you're just doing it for the family and not because you want to do it. And that's why you should do that. And he is like, listen, just do whatever you want to do and I'll help you, like, as much as I can, but just make sure that you take care of Yasin because now you have to be, like, his everything, because he's given up everything for you. And, you know, he, <laughs> Obida feels, like, differently about Brittany now, mainly because she was crying. He was like, oh, yeah, like, she cares or whatever. And I'm like, I do think she cares to a certain extent, but I don't think she's going to be taking care of Yaz in the way that she should or, doing anything really the way that she should because at the end of the day like she doesn't really give a shit this whole thing is like a fucking game to her so I don't know y'all we'll see so then we have Ari and Binyam and um, Ari's parents are still there well her mom's still there her dad had to leave a few days ago and now her mom's about to leave And Ari's mom is concerned. And she thinks that Ethiopia is not the best place for Ari to be raising the baby. And she doesn't think that Ari and Binyam are doing well together, which they are not. (laughs) But Ari says that she's happy and she's staying there. And I'm just like, wow, I'm shocked because I really thought that she was going to be leaving with them. So I don't know. I guess she's really trying to talk herself into this shit. So now it's time for the baptism. And they have to wake up super early to go to this church to get this done. And Binyam has not prepared Ari at all for this baptism. She doesn't know what to expect. And that's super annoying. I'd like, I don't know who to be annoyed with here, Ari or Binyam or both of them, because they do not communicate. And we all know this just from watching the show. And it's just ridiculous. Like, If I was Ari and I was iffy about doing this whole thing in the first place, I'd be asking all of the questions. Like, I mean, I would be doing that anyways because that's just how I am. And if you're telling me you're going to be doing this, like, I need to know a lot of information before we do this. But I don't know. Maybe she did ask and Binyam was just like doing his Binyam thing and like blowing her off and not answering the questions. I don't know but it's it's annoying but luckily his sisters are sitting behind her and they're helping like talk her through it so she knows what's going on. So the baptism is all done and Binyam is super happy and they're having this party and it's really nice and that's really all we get from them. Um so then we have another couple that weren't really doing much <laughs> it's like Devin and Jihoon. Um let me just start by saying Taeyang is such a little ham. He is so fucking cute. I can barely stand it. I just want to squeeze him. (laughs) But the wedding is upon us. And so everyone's getting ready for it. You know, Devin's parents and her sister are there. And um, they go through this ham tradition, which was really cool to see. but other than that, I mean, Devin has, like, a pointless conversation with her mom about whether or not she accepts Jihoon and, like, supports the marriage as if they aren't already married. They have been married. They did the, like, traditional Korean wedding years ago. Like, this is, <laughs> this is stupid. But her mom says, yes, she supports the marriage. So now Devin's all happy. So that's good. And we're moving on. Now, <laughs> Tim and my Lisa. So, Tim has decided that he is in fact going to go back to the States and he's leaving soon. And my Lisa is upset because he decided all of this without talking to her. And I don't blame her. I think I knew that he was going to go back, but it's like, oh, so you just like buy your ticket already and like did all of that. And you didn't think that you needed to say anything to me. You're just going to (laughs) go. Okay. So when did you plan on telling me, like, if I didn't ask you, like, I'm just confused. So she's like, So okay, um, when are you gonna be back if you're like if you insist on leaving? And he doesn't have a certain date that he'll be back, like he doesn't really have a plan at all. He just says that he's gonna come back when he gets a job there. And I'm just not sure how easy it's gonna be for him to get a job in Colombia when he's not there, like physically. I don't know. Um, It doesn't look promising, y'all. I got to tell you. (laughs) And then my Lisa said she's not sure if she's even going to wait for him. And now both of them are worried about the other one, like, getting with someone else while they're apart because history has shown that's what they do. So it's just a mess. And, like, Tim leaves and my Lisa is crying about it. And I'm shocked. Like, she's never shown any emotion at all. So I'm like, oh, my God, like, is she into him? because this whole time I felt like she's hated him. She's just like straight faced all the time, which I don't hate, by the way. (laughs) I like a bitch like that. But like, I don't know. I still don't think they should be together, though. Just stay in the States, Tim. You get with someone, she get with someone in Colombia. And like, we're just going to close that chapter. I don't know. We'll see whatever else happens with them. I'm not sure what else there could be, but I'll be tuned in. And that's all I've got for y'all today about these dysfunctional ass relationships. Um, I just want to say, so Thanksgiving is coming up and I'm so thankful for y'all. You, you listen and like support me every week and you, it's just, it means so much to me. Seriously, you have no idea. So I'm super thankful for y'all. I would be super thankful if you could just take 10 seconds and, like, drop a little five-star rating and review for me. It would mean a lot. Um, but yeah, I love y'all. You know, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at mainly Bravo. You should head over to patreon.com slash bitches better. Check out the bonus content. You could be thankful for that too. <laughs> But yeah, do all of that stuff and I'll be back to talk to y'all soon. Bye.